Welcome to my podcast, Tea with Twiggy. In each episode, I speak with a good friend of mine or someone that I find fascinating, all whilst enjoying a good cup of tea. I always enjoy these chats and have no idea where the conversation is going to go, and I hope you'll enjoy them too. My guest this week is a writer, an actress, a jazz singer. She is the wonderful Molly Ringwald. Hello, Molly. How are you? Hi. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm sitting in West Sussex in England. And where are you? I am just north of New York City, up the Hudson. Oh, lovely. I love it up there. I, yeah. th- I think I started to tell you before we were on air, we actually almost, um, well, we put in an offer for a house it, it, up in upstate New York, up somewhere up there. And then... <laughs> um, the woman, we she showed it to us a couple of times and then we got a call from a gentleman who said, um, the house is not for sale, I was away on business and we're not selling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> anyway, have you got your cup of tea? I do have my cup of tea. I'm drinking English breakfast tea with a little bit of milk. Oh, that's interesting because most Americans <laughs> drink it black. Oh really? Yeah, that all, right? my, all the people. Well, most of my American friends don't drink tea. They think it's disgusting. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's very unusual to have it with milk. I think in the states. Yeah, I, I I mean I never drank tea really until I went to England for the first time and I learned that that uh, that people drank it with milk and I thought it was pretty disgusting. But I wanted to be <laughs> like an English person, so I tried it and then I got hooked. And uh, now I only drink it with milk. <laughs> One of my kids just came in and demanded something. I'm doing an interview, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's that- been a long time now since we've all been in this house together. I think it's the most amount of time that I've spent at home, I think, ever. You know, because usually, you know, with, with what I do, um, I'm flying away somewhere, either, you know, shooting a show or, or, you know, singing jazz, you know, or, or, you know, and I just realized that I was always going away and coming back and always coming away. And now it's just been full on, you know, here at home since I guess since last March. And uh, it's interesting. Because aren't you doing a show at the moment? Uh, Is it Riverdale? Yeah, I do Riverdale, which is in Vancouver. um, But I only shot about three episodes this year because um, I had to go in quarantine um, in order to shoot and then ended up getting stuck there because, you know, one person tested positive and then everybody had to go back into quarantine. All my scenes were with the boy, you know, I, I play Archie's mother. And so when he went into quarantine, there was nothing for me to do. So I ended up, I was supposed to be there, I think for, you know, just the quarantine and then five days of shooting and ended up getting stuck there for months. So, yeah. So we decided that if I if I shoot again, it would have to be, you know, for a chunk of episodes. But, you know, so I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Mostly I've just been at home. I, I, I was quite surprised that TV shows and some films are still being shot. Is is that what happens if somebody tests positive? They have to everyone on the show has to quarantine. Um, well, what they try to do is separate the um, the sections, you know, with different colors, you know, like this, the this section of the crew will be one color, the actors will be something else, and nobody's really supposed to 
um, interact or be close to one another. Um, so you're really not supposed to, you know, hang out with people very much. You know, when you get made up, the 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 poor uh, makeup people have to wear, you know, masks and then big plastic masks. <laughs> you know, it's it's really, you know, they do the best that they can, but. On our show, I think it ended up being somebody, an actor that was in for the day um, who ended up testing positive. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's just it's just such a difficult thing to control. So I, I think that they they do the best job that they can. But it's just such a, a contagious and tricky virus mm. that, you know, I know. Tell me. I'm surprised that we've gone back to work at all. You know, I think we, we've really everybody has really tried to keep it going, but it's it's very challenging. The hard, you know, for me, the saddest and hardest thing is the theatre. We've got so many friends who only do theatre, you know, backstage and in front. And, and it's, you know, their life has stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Plus their yeah, income. It's, I mean, I'm sure you, you've you got lots of friends in that area and it's really tough. And I, I mean, they tried in England in... Um, kind of October, November, before it started to get bad again, they tried doing kind of one-person shows in the theatre and, and only having a third of the audience in. And that kind yeah. that did kind of work, but, it you know, it, it, they couldn't really do the big shows. Yeah, I think that they've been trying to do sort of like Zoom readings yeah. and, you know, uh, fundraising and all of that. But, it, you know, it's really, it's not the same. I mean, we really... I think everybody is just dying to get back into a, a situation yeah, where they course. can see, you know, a, a show together, or music or just something. We really uh, we're such social creatures. We really need to be near each other. That's right. What about you? Have you have you? I mean, I know that you did um, my one and only on Broadway. Um, I did. Have a long you? Time ago. <laughs> was that so much fun? Did you love that? It was. It was very very scary at the beginning because I I didn't I'd never done well. I don't. I tell a lie. I'd done a, a what? Do you know what pantomime is? Yes. Which is an English tradition, and I played Cinderella when I was like twenty three, mm. and. Um, but I'd never done a big show and I've certainly never been on Broadway. So I was very, very scared because, you know, it's scary going out on a Broadway stage. Sure. You know. And, but I loved it. I and loved so every did you second do it, of it. Did you want to do it again or did you just um, want to do it like a one-time well, a one -time no, I thing? Well, I would have done. I would have done. It was just the thing, quite honestly, we did it for two years. So I just wanted to get back to like, you know, my daughter at the time was five Mm. And um, I just wanted to get back to England and um, carry on with stuff I was doing here. Um, and things came through, but they weren't just weren't the things I wanted to do. That's the trouble. Yeah. You get offered things. Well, you know. Yeah, you, I mean, you get offered things that you don't want to do and the things you do want to do, you don't get off offered. <laughs> or, they, or you try, you know, I'm sure you do it. You try and put projects together and they don't quite work. And, but you mm -hmm. did one of my favourite roles that I did always want to do, but I became too old to do it when um, they did. It must the have been Sally Bowles. Cat, yeah, Sally Bowles. <laughs> I'd love to have seen you in it. Was that a great, it, fun role to play? It was amazing. Mm. I mean, it was so exhausting and, you know, emotionally draining. Mm. Um, but it was an incredible production that that yeah, Sam I mean. Mendes, um, Rob Marshall production. Uh, 
you know, it was it was a real treat. I think it was it was actually one of the best parts that I've ever done. I mean, it was it was I I just fit into it really well. Um, but but yes, it was exhausting. I did it for six months, and I said that's it. I can't do any more. I've had it. And then my boyfriend and I went on vacation for, I don't know, a couple months and they asked me to come back and I said, well, all right. And then I did another (laughs) six months (laughs) and I would have come back again. Probably it was just such a good role. Well, it's one of the great, it's one of the great female roles, isn't it? Was that, that was the production with Alan Cummings. Yes. Yes. But he, I didn't do it with Alan. I did it with uh, Raul Esparza. Oh, okay. Who was in, uh, we were in a play together called Tick, Tick, Boom, which was written by Jonathan Larson. And he left to do cabaret. And he said, oh, you should come with me. Because I I never, it never even occurred to me to do it. And I said, okay. And then I just followed him there. And then he left. And then I did it with uh, John Stamos. Oh, yeah. And then did it with um, Neil Patrick Harris. So I did it with three oh, different wow. MCs. Yeah. But it was that product. It was that Production, it was that it? production, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw it when it first opened, that production. Because it, it goes back, the original was what, in the 60s, was it? When they the original, originally... yes, was in the 60s um, with Joel Grey and um, who did it on? Well, I know Judy Dench did it at one point on, in London. In London, yeah. Yeah, but I can't remember who did Sally. I mean, of course, Liza Minnelli did the movie, and that's yeah, what everyone thinks of. But it was somebody else on stage. But yeah, that was the first production in the '60s, and then the revival was um, was in the '90s, I guess. Right. Was it? Yeah, yeah I '90s think or it was early late, early aughts. Late late '90s, my memory, like '98. Yeah, I think I something mean, like I, that. I did it, I think, in 2001 or 2002. I remember yeah. it was just after my my now husband and I had gotten together. Um, and my husband's a book editor, but he wanted to take time off to write. So he took a bartending course and then we got him a job as the bartender at Studio 54. So I was on stage playing Sally and he was <laughs> doing tending bar. And then there was this underground area where you, I could run and meet him and give him a kiss and then run back on stage. It was very romantic. That's so romantic. <laughs> what a great story. That's hysterical. That's so sweet. But then the other thing I've always wanted to ask you, because, you know, what happened to me when I I was discovered, I was 16 years old and you were 16, right? When you did your first big movie that shot you to fame. It wasn't your first movie, but it was the one that really... Yeah, 16 Candles. um, I was, yeah, I was 15 when I shot it and 16 when it came out. So I wanted to ask you, because... We were the same age when that, I mean, it's quite momentous what happened to both of us, really. And I just wondered how you coped with it. Do you, in hindsight, think it was a great thing? Or, you know, how do you feel about being that young and being discovered and shot into, you know, the headlines? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I really, I really feel like it was a double edged sword. I mean, there was, there was incredible things about it. And there are things that I really love about those movies, but at the same time, I feel like it sort of interrupted the the build of my career a little bit. I became so well known as those characters; it was really hard, I think, to for people to see me as anything but that. Um, so, so that was a little difficult. And also, I, I don't think that I was I don't think that I was prepared for fame. I mean, I've always been a really sort of shy 
bookish person. And, um, you know, I just didn't think that I was, I was very good at being a celebrity. I felt, I felt very overwhelmed by it. I mean, I still feel overwhelmed in, you know, in crowds. It's not, I don't have the eyes on me that I did, but it still is something that I, that I struggle with. I really, you know, that sort of family home life balance. I mean, I definitely don't think that I could have that level of fame now. I mean, with what kids have to go through with the internet. I say, I think, well, you know, I, I'm that much older than you. So, you know, social media was in, we, we didn't even have, you know, mobile phones and things. But, yeah. um, and so, you know, and, and I, like you, was completely, un- you know, I was a schoolgirl. So I was, I was this funny looking skinny kid. So when that happened to me, it was, you know, I thought they're all mad because I, yeah. I'd, you know, teenagers always, you know, you're either too thin, too fat, too yeah. tall, too small. You want brown hair, you want curly, you know, nobody's yeah. ever satisfied, are they? But yeah, so I hated what I looked like. I I just thought it was all madness. And I, like you, I was really, really shy, really mm. shy. So when you're suddenly thrown into that, you know, arena, which it is what it is, yeah. You know, when I first arrived in New York in 1967, you know, I was just 17, you know, and we got off that plane and there were like hundreds of photographers and, and, and they were all shouting at me, asking me questions. And it was like, oh, I think I want to go home and see my mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I completely get that. It's, it's overwhelming. Um, you know, when I look back on it, there are certain elements that I, that I thought were fun, you know, that I, that I'm happy about. I mean, it gave me opportunities, but I just don't think that I had an emotional maturity to really handle it. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to be an actress, but I, I felt like there were steps that I was going to take and it wasn't going to, in my mind, it wasn't going to happen, you know, for a while. So it all of a sudden to have that right away, it just kind of, you know, sort of messes everything up a little bit. But um, who discovered you, by the way? Who was the oh, person that... You know, it was one of those stupid things that shouldn't have... You know, it's one of those things that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. I had a boyfriend who had a, a, a friend... I mean, I was I was a schoolgirl, you know. Mm-hmm. And he had a friend who worked on a ladies' magazine. And we had tea with her one day and she said to me... And I, I'd done all that eye makeup. Because at, at school, we weren't allowed makeup. I went to a grammar school. Mm-hmm. Um, but at weekends, I'd paint my eyes. And I had an old rag doll that had kind of spiky eyelashes. And mm-hmm. and I was what what was known then as a mod, which mm-hmm. was a kind of phase that teenagers went through in this country. So it was very important you had this kind of look. And I'd paint my eyes and put my eyelashes on. And she said to me, if you, and I, but I had kind of hair this sort of length, mm-hmm. like about shoulder length. And she said, have you ever thought of modelling? And I I thought she was mad because, you know, I, in my eyes, I was very little and very thin. And mm-hmm. if I'd have gone to an agency, they wouldn't have taken me because I was too small. Yeah. And um, she said, I'm, I think you should have some test shots done. And she sent me to a hairdresser to get my hair done. And it was a very posh Mayfair salon. So I was so mm-hmm. scared. I'd never been, you know, I came from a very ordinary working class family. I'd never mm-hmm. been in a building like that before. So I just sat there and waiting for them to do my hair. And the the 
the the guy who owned it, who was a very famous hairdresser who trained under Vidal Sassoon, mm -hmm. uh, his name was Leonard, and he came over and said, I'd love to cut your hair. Can I cut your hair? And I was, I didn't want my hair cut, but I was, <laughs> I was too frightened to say no. And thank God I didn't because it was the haircut that kind of yeah. did it. He, he pho they photographed my haircut. He put it in his salon and a journalist saw it and said, who's the girl? And my nickname was Twiggy because of my skinny legs. And so people and, had already called you Twiggy before yeah, you were a model? Nickname. Yeah, mm -hmm. just my nickname because, you know. And um, so she asked to to see me, this journalist. She was a client of Leonard's. And, um, and then three weeks later, she named me the face of 66. So that was like, and then, you know, I had to get permission to leave school and, and you know, within three months I was in Paris doing the Paris clip. I mean, it was mad. It was shouldn't have happened, really. It was insane. Absolutely. But, how, but that's how exciting. I mean, it, oh, you know, it I'm, I'm sure it was overwhelming and uh, all of that, but, um, but it just sounds so exciting. And all of those pictures that you took, uh, they're so amazing. Those, and those, I mean, I was just doing a photo session with my, my elder daughter, my 17 year old daughter who, who wants to model. And, oh. you know, your pictures are, are, you know, the inspiration, you know, how oh. can we make her eyes look like that? You know, oh, how sweet. Well, yeah. it was, well, it wasn't amazing. And I did, I main I mainly enjoyed it. Uh, there were moments, you know, when in New York, the first time I was in New York and doing a photo shoot on the street and I was being filmed for a documentary about what had happened to me. And, you know, people saw a crowd and saw a camera and the crowd grew and then somebody wanted my autograph and, and it got out of control. And so, you know, and that was really scary. And I, you know, I was 17 years old. I was a kid. Yeah. And the guy who was, they thank God they, they'd hired a bodyguard who was so sweet. He was this his 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 upper arm was the same measurement as my waist. <laughs> and I remember him picking me up under his arm and he got me through the crowd because the crowd just was, it wasn't they wanted to hurt me. It's just crowds yeah. get out of control. So yeah. things like that were horrid. But then on the other hand, you know, we went to LA and Sonny and Cher gave me a party and I met all these. <laughs> it was mad. It was like. It was like, you know, Alice through the looking glass. It's yeah, like this I'm funny sure. little girl from North London suddenly being having a party thrown by Sonny and Cher, who were enormous, you know, pop stars. Oh, yeah. So bonkers. But um, <laughs> but no, I'm glad it happened. Listen, and it changed my life, obviously. Because I, I, I planned to go off to art school and I wanted to be a designer and... You know, mm -hmm. so that all changed. <laughs> yeah, after after the modeling, you um, you became an actress, right? Did you? Yeah, well, that's because it... I met this amazing man called Ken Russell. Who mm -hmm. um... I did something with Ken Russell. Did you? What did you I, do? I did. I did. Um, I did something called Women and Men, which was for HBO. Um, in oh. the I guess it must have been the nineties. It was a Dorothy Parker story. Oh, I'd love to see that. Can it? Yeah. Can one still find it? I think so. I'm not. I'm not really sure, but I, you know, I'll 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 look for it. See if I have it and send it oh, to if, you. But if you have it, I'd love to see. It. How did you get on with Ken? I got along great with him. I oh. mean, he wasn't he wasn't the easiest on on the crew, <laughs> and no, wasn't no. the easiest on my co-star. I think I did it with um, an actor named Peter Weller. 
Uh, but with me, he was great. He wanted to he wanted to do House of Mirth with me after, which I'm really disappointed that that never happened. But Aww. I think he he actually um, I don't think he lived that much longer after we did I our say, thing together. When did you do this with him? I'm trying to remember. I think it was late 80s, late yeah, 80s, I, maybe he, early 90s. I think he died in the early thousands. Yeah, he. Um, I remember he was he was a completely different person before lunch. And then at lunch he would get, he would get completely wasted. So it was like it was like a little bit of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. But even when he was totally you know wasted, he was he was still really nice with me for some reason. Well, he obviously loved you. He was I say I had the same experience. He was always lovely to me, like he was to you. Yeah. But I I saw saw him be pretty tough on like crew people or people yeah. he didn't like very much. Yeah, people he didn't particularly respect yeah. or yeah, he was um he definitely he had a, a serpent's tongue after he did <laughs> after a few glasses. But I think we were both quite fortunate to cuz he was he you know you 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 either like Ken Russell films or you or you don't. Yeah. But he had a vision and 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 I you know he he changed the British film industry really because he yeah. came out and did things that they'd never done before. You know, yeah. Women in Love, I think, is one of the great films. Yeah, he told me that I reminded him of Glenda Jackson. Oh, yeah, I thought was it was a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can, I can get that completely. Oh, I'm thrilled you work with Ken. That's lovely. Yeah. We, we've got something in common. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we also we also met before. We we met in Warren Beatty's screening room. Oh my Years God. ago. I can't tell you what was playing in the screening room, but I remember you were there. You had oh, really f- long hair at the time. Yeah, very long hair. And Actually, because I, I I said to my husband, I'm sure I'm sure we met and I can't think whether we did or not. You know, it's funny when, when somebody's really well known and you think you've met them and then you think yeah. it's like like people come up to me on the street and talk to me like they know yeah. me. Yeah. Because oh, they know yeah. me. Of but course, that happens so a lot. No, funny. but we were in the same screening room, but I was too shy oh, to how, talk to you. Oh, how funny. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The other thing I that I didn't realise, and I I was playing it yesterday, you've got the most beautiful voice and you've done... I love the, um, the album you did. Thank you. When did you record that? I found it on you on YouTube. Yeah, I recorded it about I think ten years ago, um, and then I um, and then I toured with my band, um, but then I realized I didn't really like touring very much. I really love you know sort of my fantasy is just to you know go and just sing a few songs in a in a jazz club you know really <laughs> for no money or you know. That was always my, I grew up with jazz, so it was sort of like my comfort music. Um, and and I loved that. But then, you know how when you do something that you love and then it sort of becomes mm. um, monetized, it becomes a career, you know, and and it kind of sucked the love out of it a little bit for me. I just, yeah. I just really didn't like being away from my family that much. So no, I, um, that. I sort of took a break. And then also I moved from California back to New York um, and all of the musicians that I worked with are in California. I mean, not to say that there aren't incredible jazz musicians in New York. I, you know, I, I might do it again, but. I oh, just... you should. Cause you've got the most beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. Did you, did you get 
I mean, I knew you. I knew you obviously were a singer because you'd done musicals, but I didn't know you'd done the jazz albums until yeah. I was doing my. Re- I, I'm I doing my research. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> well done. But your dad was a jazz musician. What yeah, did he play? He plays, um, or I should say, he played because unfortunately he had a stroke a, a couple years ago and and can't play anymore. Um, but yeah, he grew up. Um, you know, he supported the family, you know, with, um, with playing music. Um, so I, that was kind of like my special thing with him because my brother and sister didn't, um, didn't seem to, uh, inherit the, the musical ability, but I did. So it was kind of like our special thing that we did together. And so I used to sing with his jazz band when I was little. And that's kind of what, how I ended up getting cast in a musical because somebody had seen me sing and said, oh, there's this play called Annie (laughs) that's coming (laughs) on the West Coast and, you know, first West Coast production of this play. And, you know, she should really audition for it. And so we thought, okay, why not? And I auditioned for it. And I didn't get the role of Annie, but I got the role of, um, you know, one of the orphans. And I did that for 15 months when I was about uh, 10 years old. Yeah, 10 or 11. Now, did Mm -hmm. you do every performance? Because at that age, don't they kind of one does matinee and one does evening or no um i did every performance i think the laws in in england were different Mm. than the laws at the time in america um i think maybe in america i don't know i haven't checked into it but i think i think now in america um it might be the way that it that it has been in england where they cast you know three different people and you know in the main part i don't know what age it stops at but i think at 10 i think they they have two or three kids doing it. Yeah, no, we, I did just about, I think I did every performance. Um, and I remember they wanted to, the, you know, at a certain point you kind of age out of the part and they wanted to recast Annie. Um, and, but the per, the girl that was playing Annie said, no, you can't make me leave a performance. And she absolutely refused to leave, <laughs> to leave the performance, to let this other girl, to let Martin Sharnan <laughs> see this other girl play the part she just refused and 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 she was protected by the union and it just oh, seemed like wow. such a crazy thing to me um but you know eventually her contract came up and you know she was she was booted out um but yeah I did it for 15 months I think just about every show wow yeah it was very um traumatic though when it was over because you know when you're that age anything you do for you know a month it's like it's like years. So you, 15 yeah. months to me was my whole life. So suddenly I had to leave all of, you know, my friends and this way of life. It was where I went to school because we would go to school with, you know, one teacher um, wow. for the whole day. And then we'd have a break and then do the performance at night. And uh, and so when it was time to leave, it was it was really heartbreaking. Um, yeah, quite dramatic, I would think, actually, because, I mean, I haven't done half as much theatre as you have but you do become a family don't you and it be- and it, it becomes your life how where you when you eat and when you sleep and yeah you know and your friends and everything yeah it's it's your whole life so that was really traumatic but at the time um I had then gotten an I didn't have an agent before but I got an agent and had been auditioning for little things and ended up getting a television show uh, so I went right from Annie right into a television show, which kind of softened the blow a little bit. Um, so, you know, that was kind of lucky. 
for me, because otherwise I just don't know. It would have been really, really hard to just go back to school, you know, go back to, you know, and plus when you're, when you're in school, I don't know when you started modeling, um, did you ever end up going back to regular school? No, no, no that because was I was, I was 16. So you, I don't know about, is that legal age that you can leave school in America? Cause you can mm. here. No, I mean, in order to leave school, you have to, um, you have to get a special test and you have to become what's called emancipated. So you can, you can do that. Um, which I never did. My parents never let me do that. So I continued on to regular school until I graduated. So I would have to go and do movies and then go back into school. Which so was, was just... that graduation is what? 18? 18. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. We, we, you can legally leave school at 16 with your oh. parents' permission. Wow. I had to get my parents' permission. And, and my dad was very sweet because he said, you know, he said, I'm not sure. Because none of us knew what was going to happen. You know, that was one article in a newspaper. It could have been over in a month. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know, I'm not sure this is the right decision. And But if I say no and you don't, you know, try and fulfill this. And, you know, we were getting phone calls to do Vogue and Elle magazine and go to Paris. And he said, you know, you then might end up hating me for the rest of your life because you'd always think, what if? Yeah. So he said, I think, I think you've got to give, I think he was very, I mean, he, you know, he was an ordinary working guy. It was, you know, it came out of left field. None of us were in the business. None of us knew yeah. But I was very close to my dad. He was, I loved him to bits. And um, so I thought it was quite brave of him to do that because mm -hmm. it could have all been a terrible disaster. Yeah. And <laughs> Luckily, but you've kept modeling wasn't. for a long time, right? You in the 60s About or the 70s? Years. Oh, only four years? After I met Ken and did The Boyfriend, I didn't really, I kind of went back to it in the 90s, funny enough. I got a phone call, phone call from Stephen Mizell, who's an amazing American photographer, mm -hmm. um, in 90, something like 92. And I hadn't, I mean, I'd done photographs. You know, every time you do a project, you do photographs, don't mm -hmm. you? But I, I hadn't really gone into, and also I was, you know, I was much older Mm -hmm. But I got this call from Stephen saying, would you come back and um, let me do a spread for Italian Vogue, which is my favourite Vogue. It's mm -hmm. beautiful, the Italian Vogue. Yeah. Uh, and it was him. So yeah. I said, oh, yes, please. <laughs> so, so, so I did. But, you know, my, actually, my actual modelling career was 66 to 70. But those photographs just don't go away. <laughs> yeah. Those pictures of you... Um... Didn't didn't you do pictures for Biba like Biba Box? Yeah, with the really long of, hair. Yeah, she's one of my dearest friends, Barbara Hulanicki, wow. who I think is one of the great designers of that era. She changed. Oh, wow. Well, she she in England anyway. She made it possible for teenagers to buy teenage clothes because before her, Mary Quant, the other one, you know, you either got children's clothes or you got your mum and dad's clothes there was no you know and I, that's why I learned to sew I used to make my clothes because I couldn't get I couldn't get the ones the things I wanted and being a mod they were very specific you had to have a certain look so I made made them myself <laughs> <laughs> do you still sew I do it's my heart and actually when all this horrible covid happened it's become knitting because I've got grandchildren now I've got 
the new the new loves of my life. <laughs> so I've been knitting up a storm and sewing. Yeah, and, I've been knitting, um, doing a lot of knitting here. I took up knitting again. And my daughter really wants to sew for the same reason that that you want wanted to sew, which is she wants to make, you know, she she can't buy certain clothes that she wants, so she just wants to learn how yeah. to make them herself, which I think yeah. is great. I very much support that. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. And and you never lose it. I mean, I still I still some of my favorite days, I get my sewing machine out, I put my music on, I get my fabric. And I and I'm just lost in that world. And at the end, you get something to to wear, or you know, I make curtains, I make bedspread. You know, you've got oh, something good. that's come out of it. But now, I read your mum was a chef, yeah. Yes, my mum so was a chef. So you're a wonderful cook. Me, yeah. <laughs> actually, I I am. Um, I not I mean not as great as my mom, but I'm I'm really sort of a fancy cook. You know, my my husband does. We like to say he's the diner chef of the family because he gets it on the table. You know, he just he gets it done. Uh, I'm the sort of dinner party chef, the one that, you know, plans and gets, you know, does something over two days, you know, super, super fancy. But you can't really do that every day. But, yeah, I think I, I, I am a pretty good cook. Well, I mean, obviously, we've been doing so much cooking um, at home. Yeah. You know, we used to go out you know i don't know i don't know a couple times a week and and now that's just not a possibility so it's all it's all at home yeah i mean i love cooking as well but and and at the moment i can't you know because of the lockdown i can't see my daughter and my grandkids so it's just my husband and i i know that's that's for me the hard i mean listen i shouldn't moan because other people are suffering so much more you know we we're together and and we're touch wood fine and my family are all fine but it's just that you know missing them so desperately yeah am i wrong in thinking that you're friends with uh sophie and bruce robinson i was gonna ask you that because (laughs) i follow sophie on instagram Mm -hmm. and and I see your name and and her name and yeah. and, and I thought I thought and I was like, I, I must ring Soph and just ask. Yeah, she's one of well Bruce Robinson, her husband. Yeah, um, is one of my husband's oldest friends. They they met in their twenties. Oh wow! And so they so when I met my husband Lee in the mid eighties, I met Bruce and Sophie as well. Oh, okay. And um, although I had I had actually met Bruce once before before he met Sophie. But how do you know Sophie? I know them because we ended up at a film festival together in Germany, um, where I a film that I'd done a, a few years ago was was invited there, and um, and Bruce was getting some kind of you know lifetime achievement oh, award. Yeah. And so it was this really small, I think it was Hamburg or something like that, um, really small, small town. And and we just sort of bonded and, you know, went to museums together. And um, they're really inspiring. She's she's magical, I think, Sophie. Both of them. I I think she's so nice, so lovely. And he's so funny. And um, With Nail and I, I think, is one of my top five you know, favorite films of all time. (laughs) Absolutely. But have you seen her paintings? I have. She's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, she is. I mean, she she does amazing illustration for children's books, but, you know, she does paintings as well. Yeah. 
and actually i think that's i I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago and and i think that's what's kept her sane through this because she's got her studio and she paints and um yeah i think it's important to have some sort of a creative uh outlet during this time i mean it really really helps um or if not that then a really uh fantastic meditative process you know some being able to you know do something that kind of keeps you grounded. I know. Well, it, you know, as I said earlier, it's 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 the interaction between you know, none of us knew I'd always see my mates, see my daughter, you know, if I wasn't working, I'd go and see my daughter and help out with the kids and, you know, two or three times a week if I wasn't working. Yeah. So suddenly to have that cut off, it's like it's it's oh. Yeah. Horrendous. Do you know how long that- you'll be in lockdown for? They haven't specified because they probably don't want to riot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I'm guessing because what's happened, this new variant is is much um, more contagious and I think they're just trying to keep... It's for the NHS, it's for the hospitals. They've got to get the numbers down. Yeah. So it's very little to ask us to stay at home really, but, um, but it's very tough on people because, you know, they need to work and earn money it's yeah. really hard so i'm guessing probably i'm hoping by middle end of feb yeah I don't know. well england's been um pretty good about the vaccine rollout yeah haven't they that's, i mean i yeah, think that's that they've our done, big hope yeah, yeah they've done better than we have i mean the rollout here they just didn't vaccinate nearly as many and the, the laws about what the criteria that you had to meet in order to get vaccinated mm. were so specific and people were afraid that they, you know, would not follow the law to the letter. So they ended up trashing a lot of vaccines that could have been oh, given God. to people. That's terrible. Which is terrible. So now they've said, oh, okay, okay. I mean, I got why they wanted to be specific about who they gave them, but they couldn't find enough people to meet that criteria. So now, now I think they're opening it up a little yeah, bit. Because so. that's what the world's got to do is get back vaccinated as yeah. far as I understand it please yeah. God yeah yeah now the other thing I want to ask you you speak fluent French well fluent is a big word <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I will ever consider myself I mean I guess yeah I guess I I am I can get by but I I translate books in fact I'm it's one of the things oh, that I've been doing. Well, you must be bloody good <laughs> to translate books. <laughs> well, it takes a while. It takes a while. Um, I did I did one um, last year or a couple of years ago called Lie With Me, which is uh, it's a book by a French author named Philippe Besson. And that was really difficult. And I said, oh, I'm never going to do it again. I just, you know, I'm glad that I did it once, you know. But then they offered me another one. And at first I said no. And then I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and then I finally said yes. So, so you translated from French to English? French to English, yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I could ever do it the other way around. So, but it's, but it's hard. I mean, it really is something that takes, but it's, it's sort of like the, the perfect thing to do right now because it, it requires a lot of focus. I mean, I, I feel like for me, it's a little bit like doing a puzzle because, because it's so specific and it's so, and you, you can just get, I mean, I, I can spend, I could spend literally an hour like working one sentence, <laughs> you know, which is the best way to say this, which is the best word or certain things that are absolutely untranslatable. 
Um, I say there must be some phrases that aren't translatable because they're very specific to that language. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, particularly wordplay, um, you know, if there's a pun in in <laughs> in French, you know, that just it can't, you know, and the reason why it's there is because two of the words are, you know, homonyms. They say they, they mean something different, but sound the same, mm. you know, um, and that's kind of like the joke. Well, you can't do that in in English. So you have to kind of come up with another idea or possibility to get the same idea across. And, you know, so it's just like for me, it's just like a, a one puzzle after the other. Um, but you, one thing when I moved to France, I moved to France in, in my, in my twenties and I spent more or less my twenties mostly in, in Paris, although I did come back, you know, and forth to work, but, um, I never really concentrated on reading and writing. I was so focused on conversation and being able to, you know, talk to people that I didn't focus on reading and writing, which, you know, looking back on it, it was so ridiculous because just translating these two books, I mean, it feels a little bit like playing catch up, but my spoken French, everything has improved so much, which makes sense because when you're learning a, a language, mm -hmm. you're learning it all together. You're learning how to read, you're learning how to write, you know, and they all sort of feed into each other. So I think it's one of the reasons why I, I keep doing it because I, I'm always trying to improve my, my French. Until well, the day I, am, I die, I think I'll be trying to improve my French. I am, I am so impressed. <laughs> well, you must the, have learned some some French um, oh, when you were the, traveling or Italian. The English or people are so lazy about learning languages because <laughs> everywhere we go in the world, they speak it. Mind you, Americans the same. It's all, it's, it's it's all true. English. I think we're even worse. <laughs> we're so lazy in this country because you know I you know I. I did French and German at school, but I can literally count and do the months and that's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so I am... I think it's incredibly imp impressive <laughs> that you can do that. But you write as well, don't I you? Do. you uh, in, I do. I mean, in English. I, I write in English. I, um, I've i written one novel um, and, a, uh, and I did a, a, a book of essays and then um, I've been doing some... I'll probably... The next book that I write will probably be uh, a book of essays um, because I've published a couple in The New Yorker, um, which I'm pretty proud of. It was, you know, right around the time that Me Too um, kind of broke. And I wrote about my experiences, you know, being a young actress in Hollywood. And, um, you know, because at the time, at the time uh, that the Harvey Weinstein story broke, it was all Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. And I mean, no doubt he was a monster, but he wasn't the only one. <laughs> and, and at that time, only people were talking about about Harvey Weinstein. And my, my point of the essay that I wrote was that, you know, it's all the other Harveys that we've all had to deal with, you know, for all these years. And I feel like I was I was so much luckier than most. I mean, I had even done a movie with Harvey Weinstein and didn't manage to get, um, you know, molested by him. Um, but but there were so many others, you know, it was just this way that, that I think women have been treated, not, not only in show business, but, you know, in every no, business. I say it's across, across the board, but yeah. hopefully because of me too, that's changing. I hope, I hope but you so. know, you, you were like me, you, I mean, and I was very protected. It never really touched me personally because, because of my lovely old dad, bless him. Mm -hmm. He said, I'll let you do this, but, you've got to have somebody with you. Every studio you go to, 
this person has to go with you. So I never actually in those four years went to a photographer studio on my own. Wow. So I was, I didn't realize why mm -hmm. it wouldn't have even crossed my mind mm -hmm. that somebody would do anything. But did you, did, but you were, again, you were 16 when you did the John Hughes movies, but, mm -hmm. but you were very close to him, weren't you? He was, he was. I was, I was, uh, I guess you could say I was his muse. Um, but yeah, I was, I was close to, to John. Um, and I also always had a parent there, you know, yeah. with my, my parents, um, one of them on one movie, my mom would come with me and my dad would stay with my brother and sister, um, or, you know, and then the next movie it would switch. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I always had a guardian there, but even, even with guardians, you know, I feel like people behave in inappropriate ways on films towards kids. Yeah. Um, towards young women specifically and men. I think young men have had to deal with that, that stuff too. But yeah, you're lucky that you've never. I was, had that. I think I was incredibly lucky because when this all broke, you know, all the stories and, and again, it's not only young girls, it was young boys in the modeling world as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I feel that I was, I was obviously very protected. Yeah. Who was your guardian when was he it was always my the first same? boyfriend? It was my <laughs> first boyfriend who was who kind of managed me for a few years. Uh huh. But let's hope that it's changing. I I think so. I definitely think that it's changing. I mean, when I when I see the the way that my kids talk about how they expect to be spoken to and what you can say and what I mean, not just around you know, issues of feminism, but, you know, um, LGBTQ issues yeah. and, and racial issues, you know, constantly. And how you treat, and how you treat other people. I yeah. mean, my little five and a half year old granddaughter said to me the other day on, on FaceTime, because I can't see her, we were talking about something and something came up in a, one of her stories and it was about a bad person in one of her books and she said, but she calls me Mimi. She said, yes, Mimi, because it's very important. You have to be kind to one another. That's and, lovely. You know, coming from a five and a half year old, I thought that was rather, yeah. rather, well, it brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> So when you are allowed to go back to work, have you got something that you are going to do or that you long to do? Or So many things. Um, I, I would love to do uh, um, a series that's in New York, um, you know, where I live. I mean, that's yeah. really sort of what I'm, I'm, I would love to do the most. Um, I would also like to do theater as well. I mean, theater theater's always been a little bit challenging just with the kids because, as you know from doing theater, that you – it's very specific hours and it, it ends up being where I don't, I get, I don't get to see my family that much, but that's something that I, you know, I would love to do maybe a, a shorter production, you know, like maybe three months, maybe not like a year and a half like I've done yeah. before. Well, but, if, you know, you know places like the roundabout and that they do the shorter runs, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, Have would, you got any roles that you'd love to do? Uh, I think I would love <laughs> to do, 
you know, Chekhov. I would love to do, you know, Eugene O'Neill. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a musical that I would love to do. I mean, those are the two that, that I come to mind because I've never, I've never done them. I was going to play Nina in the Seagull at the Kennedy Center, um, but then at the last minute it fell through. So I think it's something that's just always been in my mind. Yeah. Is there anything you really want to do? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) well, as you know, as you get older, the roles change a bit. So things that I, you know, like I would have loved to have played Sally Bowles, but that I can't do that anymore. But no, I've got, I've got a couple of projects. Again, everything's on hold at the moment. I've got a couple of projects of books I've found that I thought, oh, well, I could do that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um. And and also I, I I love to sing as well. And and before this happened, I was about to go into the studio with an old mate of mine who's um, a kind of re- retired from a big rock band. And and we both loved music like you from the forties, thirties. And we were going to do this. The, he said, "I want to take you in the studio and and do the." And we were going to do that, but obviously we haven't been able to. So I'm hoping that'll pick up again because I yeah. that's one of my favorite things is being in the studio because there's not the pressure of an audience yeah yeah and you've got the musicians and it's lovely yeah well that's something to look forward to then yeah well I hope well if you know if we can pick it up and get it going again but you know everything's on hold really yeah until we can see what's going to happen in this world <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I am optimistic. I ha- I am an optimist. I think. Same. And I think the vaccine will um, hopefully get us all out of it yeah. eventually. Hopefully, yes. And I really miss traveling. Do you? Don't you miss traveling? I miss traveling so much. I mean, I spend so much time online just looking at all the places that I'm going to go <laughs> as soon as I possibly can. I know and- Lee, Lee, my husband Lee and I, who's he, he's also an actor and writer and everything. We were sitting, what, oh, we were watching something about the Great Barrier Reef last <gasps> night and the pale turquoise waters. And yeah, I said, oh my god, I want to go there. I want to go to the Galapagos oh. Islands. That's that's oh to see of- the um. The, the turtles giant, the turtles yeah no, I've never done that actually yeah there's so many places that I want to go so that's just like another thing that sort of keeps me going um you know whenever whenever I'm sort of unhappy doing something I, I'd done a tour once and just it was a very difficult experience and I got myself through by by keeping a picture of the Amalfi coast <laughs> in my little <laughs> wallet and every time every day I would say we're gonna go there and then my husband and I ended up going there at the end and ended up actually oh, getting married there. Um, so, lovely. yeah, I, I think traveling is definitely something that I, I'm well, really looking forward to. But when you to. lived in Paris, you must have seen quite a lot of Europe, yeah? Um, yeah, mostly mostly France. I traveled around France uh, a bunch and um, and went to Italy a couple times and um, and England. Um, I would go back because the, the Eurostar had just started. Oh, yeah. So, um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. Actually, my daughter is um, planning. I don't know if it's going to happen, but she's planning to do her senior year in London. Oh, so, brilliant! So yeah. that means you're. Oh, well, we must we must link up. Absolutely, have a tea in person. Where Where does she want to go to? Do you know? She doesn't know yet. She was just sort of going back and forth between England and France, and I, I suggest I said that if she does France, she should just do a semester because that's an awful long time to be away from 
your family with a language that she doesn't, you know, speak that well. Um, and I and I just love London. I think London's a really fun place for a young person to be. I think I think I think she'd enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. Well, hopefully we'll meet up sooner rather than later. Hopefully, yes. It's been lovely talking it, to you. It's been absolutely gorgeous. It's really been lovely. You're a very nice lady and a very <laughs> talented one. I was, I mean, I knew a lot of what you've done, but you've, you know, your career is extraordinary. Yeah, thank you. So anyway, we'll get together soon and have a proper cup of tea or a glass of wine. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Stay safe. You too. And I hope your kids are all right. Thank you. And they get back to school soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Ah, oh, that was really good fun. She's such a lovely lady. And don't forget to check out her album, Except Sometimes. It's really good. Well, I really enjoyed that and I hope you did too. And I'll see you next time. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. just heard a stripped media production.